Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The mind wants thoughts. The mind likes thoughts. But that doesn't mean it's good for you. The mind loves thinking about the future and worrying. It loves anxiety. The mind loves regretting and having guilt and shame in it. It thrives and flourishes on the thinking process. And what we do is we feed that thinking that that's what we want, but it's what the mind wants. It's not what we want. I guess we give a lot of autonomy to the mind. We give a lot of emphasis to the mind. We love feeding the mind. That's why we have podcasts. That's why we have books. That's why we have social media feed, because the mind loves devouring information. It loves projecting in the future. It loves projecting in the past. It doesn't like to be empty. It doesn't like to be clear. It doesn't like to be calm. And yet, that's what's really, really good for us. This is episode 101. I am so happy that you're here. And thank you for joining my show, your coach, Helen Yuskovic. I am on a worldwide mission to help people get confident in putting themselves first because I used to put myself second my whole life. And because of that, I experienced every unhealthy relationship possible, an unhealthy relationship with myself, my health, my wealth, my intimate relationships, my family, my friends, and my career. I'm now living in an abundance that I used to just dream about. So I want to pave the way for you too. It's time, guys. It's time that you live in the life of your dreams as well. So let's take a step towards that right now. Here's subscribe to my podcast on your app now so that you always tune in to my new episodes. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. I am with the amazing Tom Cronin and he was one of my first guests. I'm pretty sure it was under my first 50 episodes and thank you for sharing that time with me. People loved your episode and I was just talking to Tom before, guys, and I said, you're always on my TikTok. <laughs> and then I told my assistant, can you reach out to Tom and see if he'll come back on the show? 
And so here he is. Thank you so much, Tom, for your time today. Uh, it's great to be here again. Always nice to be in your company. Now, for those, the people listening that have no idea who you are yet, can you just give us a brief rundown of your journey up until now? And can you let us know, like, Tom, where has life taken you since we last spoke? Because I'm seeing these amazing meditation retreats. I'm getting all these emails about the portal, like, you seem like you're non-stop. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, re- a real journey. You know, going all the way back, I was in finance for 26 years on a trading room floor, trading swaps and bonds on international markets. The first few years of that career got swept away with a lot of craziness. Wild, wild west times in finance markets, 80s and 90s. You know, through that, I got some, you know, a lot of anxiety, depression, some stress symptoms showing up. And I came across meditation as a method to help manage that stress which helped me stay in that career for a long time, 26 years all up. So the last sort of stages of that career was just, you know, me meditating and being, I guess, less stressed in that career. And then I just got so empowered by meditation and wanting to bring that out to the world. I left finance and became a meditation teacher. So the early stages of my career were teaching meditation, but over time that just grew and morphed, realizing greater capacity and also having a lot more inspiration to bring the power of mindfulness and meditation out to the world. So I produced film and wrote some books and run coaching programs and run retreats. And now I've just launched a teacher training program as well. And I think this is the natural progression. This is what I teach my clients is that, you know, as we evolve as teachers, our audience and the people that we work with will also be evolving and growing and their capacity for learning and growing and absorbing more knowledge will increase. And so, you know, as coaches in this space, you know, we, we want to be able to provide that capacity for them to grow and evolve with you. And so that's why, you know, offering retreats and some conscious leadership mentoring programs and my teacher training program is kind of a big part of my focus these days. So amazing. And you're like the expert when it comes to overwhelm. You guys can probably hear his voice. It already <laughs> makes you want to fall asleep and it makes you relax. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Tom came to one of these classes that I was part of and he ran, he did a seminar. It was beautiful, but he also gave us a gift of meditation. And all I remember was just nodding off every time Tom was speaking. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, come back, Helen. And it's just, this amazing thing it's an amazing gift that you have to just you're a stress reducer which is so amazing and people need you in their life and I'd love to talk about anxiety and stress and overwhelm and how it affects us mentally and emotionally and physically I'd love to hear your thoughts Mm. it's interesting you know you start with the question how does this affect our thoughts and our body but really it's our thoughts in our body that affects the overwhelm. And I like to sort of flip things a little bit because the stress, the overwhelm, the anxiety, the insomnia is a response. It's a symptom. It's a, it's a signal. It's a mechanism to let us know that there's an imbalance that's causing this dilemma. We're not actually born and we're not designed for that anomaly. And I was actually at a conference and I asked the audience to put up their hand if anyone in the audience was experiencing anxiety, panic attacks, depression, insomnia, ADHD, tapping leg syndrome, adrenal fatigue, overwhelm, and 95% of the audience put their hand up. And so what we've done is we've normalized to living that way. We just kind of accept that that's how we should be living. And yet it's actually a signal or a symptom, a sign to, to change, to look at what's causing this problem 
And what we'll find if we wind our way back, we'll find it's the mind and the ego and the insatiable appetite for wanting more and the way we think. And so we've got to get to the core of the cause of these problems. And that's where mindfulness and meditation comes in. It's really important that we look at having a calm mind that has simply less thoughts in it. And we, the mind wants thoughts. The mind likes thoughts. But that doesn't mean it's good for you. The mind loves thinking about the future and worrying. It loves anxiety. The mind loves regretting and having guilt and shame in it. It thrives and flourishes on the thinking process. And what we do is we feed that thinking that that's what we want, but it's what the mind wants. It's not what we want. And we've become very, I guess, we give a lot of autonomy to the mind. We give a lot of emphasis to the mind. We love feeding the mind. That's why we have podcasts. That's why we have books. That's why we have social media feeds. That's why we have the internet, because the mind loves devouring information. It loves projecting in the future. It loves projecting in the past. It doesn't like to be empty. It doesn't like to be clear. It doesn't like to be calm. Mm. And yet that's what's really, really good for us. In fact, I was watching a great TV or film that was on Netflix. It is on Netflix now called 13 Alive, I think it's called, about the soccer players in Thailand that were stuck in that cave Mm. for about two or three weeks. And there was 13 of them. And it took them two weeks to get to the boys. And they didn't know if they were alive or not. But eventually the channels, the caves that they had to scuba dive through were all flooded and it took them a long time to be able to get there. It was like a five-hour scuba dive just one way, 10 hours back. And when they got to the boys after two weeks of not knowing whether they were alive and they popped up in this cave and they asked the boys, how did you stay alive for this length of time? Mm-hmm. And the boys looked at the coach and said, our coach taught us to meditate. And what that means is that they had someone that trained them to do something that they could do. It's just that they wouldn't normally know how to do it. And that's what society is like. We know how to regulate. We know how to calm the mind and body so that it optimizes and operates at a higher level without overwhelm, without anxiety, with all the, without all those anomalies. It's just that we're not doing it or some people don't know how to do it and they can get trained by it if they want to. That's crazy. I, I just was writing it down as you were speaking so that I don't forget the name of that Netflix show. Yeah. That sounds so interesting. Tom, it's time for your first curveball. <laughs> Are you ready to play? Let's go. <laughs> Tom, what's something interesting, something cool or something funky that people don't know about you or that's happened in your life recently? That's a good curveball, isn't it? Yeah. The thing that people don't know about me. Well, firstly, I'm a bit of a film buff, which I've kind of just alluded to. I love, love movies. I love getting deep into the intricacy of movies. So I do watch a lot of movies and that's something that I'm really passionate about. I love the quality of what happens when all these different people come together to create something. And that's kind of what inspired me to partly make a film. So I guess that's one thing, but I'll kind of add to that and just give a little bit more layer is that the most challenging thing I've ever been through in my life and still is challenging me is making a movie. So it's, it's one thing that it's a lesson I've learned the hard way that filmmaking is not an easy process. Can you just digress a little? Can you tell us what you found challenging about making a film? Yeah, one thing I've realized that there's many segments to making a film. The first segment is actually coming up with, you know, you can have an idea for making a film and anyone can do that sitting on the back of the bus going home from work. But the next stage is getting funds to make the film. So getting funding was really, really hard process. Then the next segment is the production. So that's actually producing the film, putting all those bits and pieces together, you know, from the the name of the film, the synopsis of the film, the locations of the film, the outfits, the genre, everything's really a lot of, a lot of complexities. 
And the final one is actually once you've finished the film, you think, oh my goodness, we've done, you know, a marathon here. But it's actually just this, the end of one marathon, you're about to start another marathon. And that's actually selling the film, getting the world to know that your film exists. If you're going to produce a film or a book or any artwork or anything with the message in it, you know, it's kind of almost pointless if the world doesn't know it and can't access it. So that in itself, and that's a process that we're in still today, you know, we're running paid ads and talking to paid ad agencies about how we can scale and get more people aware of this film and book because we put a lot of time, energy and money into it and it, it deserves getting exposure. So that's also been a challenge and it's, it's, it's been a 10-year process. And can you just tell us what is the film called and what's it about? Because there might be people listening <laughs> now that are like, hey, I want to I yeah. see this. It's called The Portal and I kind of, kind of wish I'd had a better name for it. I think it's a little bit too generic. <laughs> It was originally called The Stillness Effect, which I, I wish we'd stuck with. But it's called The Portal, and the website is Enter The Portal. And the film is about crisis. And this was really inspired by my own journey. That crisis is a part of an evolutionary process. It's a vessel or a step in an awakening, a realization. It just so happens that for some of us, with our rigidity and our attachment to living in a particular way, without adapting and changing and evolving, crisis plays an integral role of breakthrough or breakdown. Something becomes irrelevant, it breaks down, or it becomes mm. more relevant by breaking through. But the current trajectory of that journey can't be sustained. It must deviate at this point. So it's a fork in the road. And so a crisis, we call it in Sanskrit a rashi, and it's a cataclysmic event that forces unconditional change. Change must happen. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And so that change can only be breakdown or breakthrough at that point. So the film's about facing an individual personal crisis and breaking through or a humanitarian collective crisis. We cover both macro and micro in the film. And we've got six stories, which is the micro journey of crisis and how we can move through that by shifting our mindset using meditation and mindfulness. Or we look at the macro perspective and question humanity's plight and whether we're on a trajectory for our own existential crisis and whether we need to shift our mindset to make things different. Sounds so amazing. I'll put all of the links in the show notes, guys. So if you want to go and head over there, I feel like it's going to be something amazing. As you were speaking, I was like, I've had many of these points <laughs> in my life. Yeah, we do. We have, <laughs> we have multiple crises in our life and they're always turning points. What we want to do is we want to get to a point in our state of awareness where crisis doesn't need to eventuate. And so what that means is that we become much more aware, much more intuitive, much more adaptable so that we prevent this cataclysmic event needing to even turn up. And what we find is, is we become more in tune, 
more aware, more conscious, and more in flow with our natural law, they find that their lives become a lot more harmonious, a lot less crises, and a lot more fluidity happening in it. Yeah, totally, which leads me on to my next question, Tom. What do you believe are some of these factors that are causing the crises, the anxiety, the stress, and the overwhelm? It's, it's ignorance. It's ignoring what is true, ignoring what's available, ignoring adaptability, ignoring change. Change is inevitable, change is essential, and we become very static in the way we live our lives. I'm just doing it, and this is who I am, and that's the way I live my life. That's okay, we'll just keep getting more crisis. And you see people go back into recurring patterns of self-sabotage in their life, in their relationships, in their work, in their career, and crisis is a way of saying, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Crisis, and the problem is because we're in that ego construct, we look at crisis and go, see, I told you I'm a victim. I told you life sucks. And that kind of revalidates some old outdated belief systems that we have that are programmed and coded into us. So crisis is trying to lodge you forward, trying to wake you up, trying to move you in a direction that doesn't need crisis in it. And that's the point of crisis. So when we can start to see that, it's like, oh, I know what's happening here. I got it. I got it. And then when we adapt quite quickly, we find that crisis just melts away and we get a lot more fluidity and harmony in our lives. Definitely. And it's like shifting that perspective of how can I care for myself in this moment right now instead of how can I keep hurting myself in this moment? And it is that little mindset shift. But Tom, it's time for your second curveball. Are you ready to play? They're coming quick and fast, aren't they? (laughs) Tom, (laughs) what's your favorite form of self-care? Meditation. I have a long list though, and I don't want people to think that I have a myopic one sort of a dimensional approach to wellness. For me, I actually have, which I give my coaching clients, it's a spreadsheet that they ideally should fill in on a weekly basis. It's a weekly spreadsheet you put on your wall every Monday morning. And there's the seven S's to success. And those S's are stillness, which is meditation, sleep, which is naps and good sleep at night, sweat, which is saunas. There's study, which is reading and learning and being coached. There's stretching, so that's my yoga or stretching. Then there's strengthening, which is physical. I like physical weights, so working in a gym, I find that really grounding. And I think that's probably seven, I think, if I've got through them all. There might be one more. but I love the holistic view of your self-care. That's amazing. Tom, how does stress and anxiety, overwhelm, how does that manifest in people's lives or in people's bodies? What happens if we just keep riding that train it it will just exacerbate and get worse there's no question about it and that's where society's at we problem is what we're doing is we're seeing that exacerbation happening that escalation happening in the stress response happening in the body the body won't let us down it will keep throwing these uncomfortable experiences at us time and time again more and more and more until we adapt and learn and popping a pill hoping that that pain point will go away is not going to solve the problem and this is one of the critical issues we've got going on in our world but no one's willing to adapt their lifestyle. Everyone's stuck rigid, not everyone, but a lot of people are stuck rigidly in their lifestyle of addiction, of mental stimulation, physical stimulation, then numbing the stimulation. I've got to have a coffee to start my day. Then I've got to have a glass of wine to, down the, to numb the stimulation. And so we're in this sort of huge peak and trough dynamic, which is causing more and more bipolarism. And that bipolarism isn't just a diagnosis for some people that have got supposed bipolarism. It's humanity as a whole is in this peak and trough pleasure pain dynamic and that's one of the critical ways that this is showing up and if we ignore that it just gets worse and worse so more anxiety more depression more extreme panic attacks more insomnia eventually more and more disease which shows up in other forms 
that we're seeing, you know, reduced immune system, great levels of fatigue, poor sleep, and then obviously poor relationships and everything else starts to deteriorate as a society. Where do we start, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I feel yeah. like what you said, everyone is like, tick, yep, that's mm. me, yep, I've been there, or maybe, yep, I'm here. Where do we start? How can we begin to manage this better? Because I feel like everyone on the other end here, Tom, is like, help us, Tom. I think the best thing to do is actually look at people that live in very harmonious ways. And what we find consistently, if we look at very, very blissfully, lovingly and harmoniously existing humans, we tend to find that they have one of two things in common, a lot of stillness or a lot of prayer, a lot of deep contemplation. So that pausing from mm. being highly stimulated from the external world. You know, most of the things that we're doing, whether it's Instagram, Spotify, news feeds, you know, going to the horse races, going to the pub, it's all for stimulation. But if you look at those people that are deeply connected and have an inner fulfillment, they spend a lot of time in quietness. And so we're not saying you have to go to a monastery or an ashram, <laughs> but if we integrate on a daily basis, and I've seen this time and time again with all of my clients, when people integrate in this householder world, the world of living with families and friends and partners and jobs, as opposed to a monastery. Just two meditations a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, close the eyes, 20 minutes, do your mantra and sit in that deep inner quietness. What we find is that their lives can continue on in the dynamic that they're still in with the relationships and jobs, etc., but just a lot more successfully time and time again. And I think the best quote I can pull from to, I guess, validate this is Oprah Winfrey when she says that it is from that place that you create your best work and your best life. And she's talking about that place of stillness or meditation. Yeah. I find, Tom, when I skip, miss or forget my meditation, life is different. Mm. And then the minute I go back to meditation, I it's like I want to kick myself. And it's like, why would I miss this? Mm. This feeling of happiness, gratitude, motivation, everything positive happens after I meditate. Why is that? Because a lot changes in our physiology and our biochemistry. When the mind calms and it's no longer projecting into the future worrying or regressing into the past, regretting and, and you know having any negative thoughts, we find just that calmness of mental activity has this profound effect on the physiology and the nervous system. So on a physiological level, when we go into meditation, we drop our metabolic state up to four times deeper than sleep. And that allows the body a deep nourishment and repair. It bumps us out of the sympathetic nervous system state into the parasympathetic nervous system state. So we start reducing cortisol, adrenaline, and norepinephrine. and start increasing levels of oxytocin, serotonin, and melatonin, the biochemicals for sleep, love, and happiness. So we immediately start feeling those lighter feelings of happiness, less stress, less overwhelm. But then we also expand our mind and we get our mind out of the condition-coded habitual thought forms, which are called vasanas, these tendencies of the mind. And we tend to find that the mind now starts to come from a deeper place of consciousness itself. So we as an identity aren't our thinking mind. We're consciousness which watches the thinking mind. But most people haven't been able to distinguish the difference between the two. So they just think they're the thinking mind. But the thinking mind is very habituated, like we've discussed, and it's naturally prone to lots of thinking and more likely negative thoughts than positive thoughts because it gets more activation from them. We've got to really start to access the conscious mind, not the thinking mind. And that's where we really start to get sovereign and empowered in our lives. Love it. Tom, it's time for your last curveball. <laughs> 
Are you ready to play? Yes, go. Tom, how do you conquer positive thoughts and a positive mindset? It, it is something that we need to work out. There's no question about it. And for me personally, um, I'm coming from an Irish Catholic heritage that is prone to sarcasm and negativity and doubt <laughs> and worry and life is hard. And I've got this classic Murphy's Law going on, which is just, you know, whatever I do, it's going to be fucked up. So I do have to override that code. It's very deep in the genetic blueprint of my lineage and it's been there for many many generations and so when we arrive in this world we're all carrying not just the color of our eyes the shape of our ears the shape of our nose or lips but we're also carrying the software code that runs with the hardware code and for most of us that's one code that doesn't really serve us it's usually deeply riddled with lots of glitches and negativities and so it's quite a lot of work to override that software so for me a lot of reading of books a lot of coaching a lot of obviously meditation journaling and positive affirmations mm-hmm. you know it's one thing to transcend the mind and get into stillness but we still have to work with that software and there is a code that still operates within our head it's just a matter of what code do you want to put in there? Do you want to use the existing code that your grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents have put in there? Or do you want to create your own code that might work better in a 2022 world? I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) (laughs) so amazing, everything that comes out of your mouth. Tom, before we leave today, is there anything that you'd love to share, anything that we might have skipped over or any last parting words of wisdom? Yeah, I think just going back to crisis, because there's one thing I noticed that came up there that I didn't cover because a lot of people will either be going through crisis now or will face one in the not too distant future. And when we have crisis going on in our lives, one of the greatest shifts you can have either during that crisis, before that crisis or after that crisis is to ask this question, how is this serving me? How is this supporting me? How is this in some way, even though I can't see it, but I must know and have deep faith and trust that this is actually going to make my life better in some way, shape or form. And when we start doing that, you'll find that things change very, very quickly and you move out of that crisis. Thank you so much for your time today, Tom. You are always such a wealth of knowledge. And for those of you listening, I'll put all of Tom's details in the show notes, how you can stalk him like I do on TikTok mm-hmm. or on Instagram, his website, the movie, and everything that you need to get to one of his retreats. Tom, thank you so much hey, for everything today. Great to be here. Thanks for the amazing questions and the interaction. I love it. <laughs> See you later. See you next. Thanks. Thank you times infinity for spending time with me. It really means a lot. Putting yourself first will really help escalate your goals, your dreams, and I love being on the journey with you. So make sure you come and tell me on my Instagram at whole health, which is H-O-L underscore health and comment below this podcast photo to share your thoughts on my show today. And if you enjoyed it, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify so that I can keep bringing amazing value to you. I'm sending you truckloads of love, power, and joy. Bye for now. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.